Hello and welcome to Film Shots, the indie film podcast. Today is um, our um, guests are laughing already. Um, today is Fe- uh, March first. Uh, hey, it's my brother's birthday. Um, happy birthday, Mickey. Um, and he, um, March first, we are in the Miyako Hotel in Los Angeles to interview Kyle Henry and Cindy Williams. And Cindy Williams. And I am with my colleague, Joel Marshall. Joel Marshall. And he is with his colleague, Jesse Wright. <laughs> All right, that was great. That worked out really well. <laughs> okay, so we're here. Uh, we're lucky enough to be in the hotel room here with uh, Cindy Williams, who is the star of a film called Room. Uh, that is up for a couple of Spirit Awards, and Kyle Henry, the director, writer, and editor, perhaps. Uh, no, director and yeah, writer. The first we'll two talk were about like this. Plenty. All right, <laughs> director and writer of the film called Room, mm-hmm. which is a great film, which I saw in the Cannes Film Festival, um, and we're going to talk to them about that film and then other things that they're doing. So welcome and thank you for having us here in your hotel room in the. Miata Hotel in, in Little Tokyo, Los Angeles. That's right. <laughs> Thank right. you. Um, I want to say congratulations to both of you. Is um, it, does it feel like a a big deal? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Good. why you didn't get any sleep last night. Uh, I thought it was a sake. <laughs> oh, that's another thing we have to tell you about. Our this show is about film and also raw food. Raw foods? Raw foods. That's the main reason right. that we have you guys here is to talk about To talk raw about food. raw food. We knew that... Are you guys... Do you Have you ever had raw food? Well, there is... At Whole Foods, there is a little raw foods section. We have the Whole Foods flagship store in Austin because oh, Whole yeah. Foods is based out of there. So we have the largest Whole Foods... They should give me money. <laughs> That's right. Plugging them endlessly they should on the give you money. They should give me money. But... Uh, and I have sampled a few raw foods products, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's funny because they, they are products. Some, <laughs> one, of our listeners, <laughs> one of our listeners emailed in and said, you know what, you don't have to go to a restaurant to get raw food. It's in the supermarket. Yeah, <laughs> but they right. have branded it now, so it's some kind of thing. It's some kind of section yeah. of Whole Foods. But so, it used to know, be like, called just food. Yeah, it used to be just called food. Now it's all specialized. But you know, like we have that section because we know nothing about it. You know, we we display our ignorance openly <laughs> um, with this. Uh, you think of any, any raw food tidbits yes. while we uh, talk? Sure. Uh, please let us know. Well, you're going to get an abundance of knowledge <laughs> about raw foods out of us. Well. Well, I have something that may surprise you. What is that? When my old dog, uh, Luann, developed epilepsy, I started fixing her raw food. Uh, anyone who knows me knows how weird this is because I don't cook at all. I hate cooking. But, of course, it's raw, so I just had to stir it up. But, yeah, it was supposed to help her immune system. Did it work? Wow. Uh, she lived uh, three more years with epilepsy. So well, that's I think not did bad. Work, so. Very nice. Okay, great. Very nice. I think we might have hit upon something. Excellent. Yeah. So I think you could specialize this and make it about raw food for dogs. 
Oh, no, it's totally different. Phenomenal. <laughs> Instead of raw food for wow. filmmakers. Absolutely. We generally want people to have raw food and craft services. Right. How's that sound? This is a campaign, a crusade. I know. Okay, hey, while we're service. here with these filmmakers and talking about raw food, perhaps we should talk about filmmaking. Oh, what do you, you think? You know, I guess we could segue right, into that great. if we have. So, one thing that I find about uh, Kyle Henry's film is I think it's inspirational to a lot of people because uh, it was shot on digital video. Uh, it was shot on, I think, a pretty low budget. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of times when people say, and it also was shot not in Hollywood, anywhere near Hollywood, it was shot in, in red states. In, in, in a red state, nonetheless. <laughs> New York and, uh, City is so, not a red state. Well, okay. <laughs> oh, New York City? It. It's red and blue. I Texas think, and New York together, oh, so in those together again. Okay, I have to say that I don't know the, the, the film. I went online and tried to find out information. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find any detailed credits or any anything mm -hmm. on, on either of you that I could really decipher. So I know that you guys are really emerging film people. Mm -hmm. this, is, mm -hmm. uh, this is our audience. Yep. So can you tell me about this? You, um, um, Cindy, this is your first film, is that right? It's my first feature film. A million years ago, I did a little short film called Mr. Pumpkin, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, this is my first feature film. All right. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> and how were you selected? Um, I think uh, Kyle was stalking me. Oh. No, I was in a, a, a I was in a play that was being directed by Kyle's partner Carlos Trevino, and Kyle saw me in it. Cindy's a really well-known theater actress in Austin. Austin has like a really vibrant um, experimental theater community. Mm -hmm. Like I think more original uh, plays originate out of Austin every year than I'm sure are produced off Broadway. I kid you not. There's probably I, I like, think it's anywhere yeah. in the United States. Anywhere in the United States. There are probably on average any time about 20, 25 active companies producing work in Austin. Several of them like the Rude Mechanicals many like nationwide tours so there's a whole cadre of people who are great actors um, who work in really strange and interesting theater work in, mm -hmm. Austin, in Austin and Cindy is one of those people mm. who has been in many many productions um, that I had seen her in and thought she was really fantastic so Cindy what did you grow up in Austin or what made you come to Austin uh, I'm a native Texan, uh -huh. and uh, like many native Texans, I'm so grateful that there is an Austin, Texas, uh -huh. so that I can keep living in Texas. Please, you know what I mean, you Texans, so you understand Austin, this. Austin uh, is really the it's just a cultural, great, yeah, it's artistic a, hub of, it, of Texas. It's a great city. I mean, for me personally, it's pink. The central part of Austin is very liberal. Uh, the... Uh, you, you may know that uh, the state of Texas had that whole, like, gay marriage thing come up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was so proud uh, that the not only 78704, my zip code, had, like, the highest number of people voting against this ban, but my particular precinct where I vote, 98% mm -hmm. opposing it. Wow. So, uh, opposing it. It was a ban. ban on gay marriage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. the, yeah. Okay. And uh, my my first week in Austin, uh, 
I just felt very comfortable in it at home there, and I just wanted to stay, and so I did. It's dubbed by um, the rest of the people in Austin who are just bitter and jealous as the People's Republic of Austin. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my Berkeley. Berkeley. Yeah. That's my doctorate at Berkeley, and that's what oh, yeah. they, the, the name of that is, People's Kyle, Republic of Berkeley. Did you grow up there, or how did you get there? No, I um, grew up in Ohio and Houston. Houston mm-hmm. was where I was born and spent many years in Ohio and then moved back, and... Um, I, too, like Cindy, felt like, oh, I've always wanted to flee Texas screaming and yelling, but this is a city that I can actually live in. There's a lot of um, a lot of arts going on, and the filmmaking community there, since probably the early 90s, has really taken off and become a sustainable sort of community. I remember um, Slackers mm-hmm. from then. I mean, is that, does the rest... Because of this liberal, mm-hmm. you know, do-goody stuff, mm-hmm. does the rest <laughs> of Texas uh-huh. consider people in Austin to be slackers? Austin, I don't know if slackers can afford to live anywhere in Austin anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. it really has... I mean, that's what made Austin wonderful, was that you could find freaks and people who, you know, basically spent their time being entertaining to other mm-hmm. people, but weren't maybe necessarily uh, adding to the gross domestic product you right. know, that much mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, Austin's really uh, you know become a very expensive city to live in and I think part of it is just because of the whole dot com it's a big chip manufacturing town oh, okay. it's a big computer software town mm-hmm. and um, yeah so we're, we're, we're doing our part now everyone's mm-hmm. pulling their own weight so what, <laughs> what <laughs> good so to what extent do those chip makers and we talked oh. about um, Whole Foods mm-hmm have a relationship with the funding of films? Well, you know, up until recently, very little. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of the the support... There's a great organization called the Austin Film Society that, that's basically our NEA. They give out around mm-hmm. now about $75,000 worth of small grants to filmmakers every year. Um, but uh, I think recently AMD, uh, mm-hmm. which is a big the chip, chip manufacturing sure. plant, is trying to muscle in on... Uh, sort of Apple's, you know, Final Cut Pro, uh, you know, digital editing system mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know they're coming in and trying to underwrite some things here and there. I think they also are big in digital projection. So a lot of uh-huh. these big projectors that are theaters around the country that are HD projectors are involved with. But they're not coming up and giving me, you know, a million dollars to make my next feature now. They won't do anything. Kyle, no. before you made Room, you made a couple of documentaries, mm-hmm. right? Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how the process with that? Sure. I went to grad school at the University of Texas, and really its strengths at that time was documentary and filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also a way that I could get connected to real, the real world. I feel like mm-hmm. so much of the independent cinema that we see is based upon people who've grown up and watched a lot of other movies but have very little connection to a non-suburban world, and so the two documentaries they did, one was about a gay rodeo cowboy, um, who, and I hung out with a lot, and he was not out at the beginning of the film, and he competed in all of these quarter horse association races and stuff, and over the course of the film he comes out and then also goes to this international gay rodeo finals. So I hung out with a lot of rural people, and a lot of people Mm -hmm. from parts of Texas that I never knew existed, whole different worlds, Mm -hmm. you know, that aren't represented anywhere on TV, or, you know, don't have their own sitcom based upon, you know, the life of them. (laughs) And um, also, I did a film called The University, Inc. that was about 
my school, uh, the University of Texas, about corporate involvement mm. in higher education because while I was going there, a theater that I really loved called the Texas Union Theater, which was one of the first big college rep cinemas in the 60s to have, you know, four or five different films playing every night of the week, uh, went under and they killed it because it wasn't making enough money. It wasn't making nearly as much money as the Wendy's and Burger King and other kind of franchises that they were selling out. You're saying they killed it. Who is they? They, um, gosh, it's been so long now. His name is Andy... Uh, you don't have to give the name, but there's a particular oh, person who is against this theater. You're it saying? was it's it was part of a sort of a wave, I think, that has occurred through academia as public funding gets cut. Mm-hmm. They want corporate underwriters to pick up the slack, mm-hmm. and that comes at a price. And whether it's branding or whether it's, I see, and for them, it was a valuable piece of real estate that wasn't pulling its weight. I see. And so the mm-hmm. educational quality of showing like, you know, mm-hmm. films from the forties, fifties and sixties yeah. didn't weigh out to, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they could put in a mm-hmm. you know, another Starbucks, right. you know, mm-hmm. a block and a half from the other Starbucks. Well, well let me, let, let's explore that just for a moment because it seems to me in in today's age of um, really you know, pretty advanced technology mm-hmm. People can, in fact, find a lot of those documentaries, a lot of those alternative films on tape. And here we have a place called Vidiots yep. that has that. So, Which I think do we still need those theaters? Desperately, because I think there's films like people like By Antonioni or Pasolini or other like filmmakers who made their work for a large screen where you're going to be totally immersed in like landscape and environment and sounds and images. Mm-hmm that the boob box just doesn't cut it. Even mm-hmm. if it's a plasma screen boob box, you watch TV a different way. You shut it off, you mm-hmm. go take a yeah, boob box. That's a technical term. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Box, like, you know. Is that some kind of pornographic <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, my TV is not tuned to the boob tube channel. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know where, how I combine this. It's, it's very <laughs> interesting, however, you know, graphic imagery. So, so uh, I love the local video store as much as anyone, and I definitely supplement my education that way, but I do think there is a place for seeing certain mm-hmm. films. And there's no way... I'm not going to like an Antonioni movie on small screen because the landscape's small. Mm-hmm. I can't see the people. You know, okay. I don't get what's going on. Okay. But I see it on the big screen, and it affects me. A different so way. this is, you know, real the art of filmmaking mm-hmm. in, in in that case, not the sociology or anything like that. And let me ask one one uh, more thing that's related to that. Mm-hmm. The um, I was going to say I was listening to a show that Joel did. Um, with a, a very famous director, what, what what's his name starts with an A? I don't know, Henry Jaglin. Yes, I'm sorry, not an A. I meant it, a, a J. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were talking about films, and many of these films I haven't seen, and I imagine particularly young people today won't be seeing mm-hmm. them. And they won't know that they should see them. Mm-hmm. So I was suggesting, asking Joel if he thought that we should actually start. Compiling um, a list? Well, not just a list, but actually having a movie jaunt where we'll meet people at some of these films Good and idea. see them together. We'll have a you film know? outing? Yeah, film outing. Because um, a lot of them I won't see, so if there are films out there that people want to see... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are very few theaters where you can go and see right. movies that are not And we might have some like access about. to them. In Hollywood, we have yeah. two of them that come to mind. Uh, one shows a double feature... Every mm-hmm. night that's different, mm-hmm. a different double feature every night. 
Um, it's on Beverly Boulevard, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So email, email us. us at filmshots at gmail.com. Right. Tell us what you, you want, want to see. That. That um, like that, I'm afraid if you want us to come to Paris or to New York, you'll have to pay our transportation. <laughs> but we'll get the tickets. We could even we'll get our own We could have a little discussion afterwards. Yes, too, we could do that. Do That's right. Could, yeah. It's a good idea. I, I, I think that would be very right. nice. So I want to get to this movie room. Um, what was the germination of this movie? Where did it come from? What? What? The dark, deep recesses of it's time. A, it's <laughs> a, it's a kind of a social film. I mean, uh, it's, it takes on some social issues, I think, mm-hmm. for one thing, um, that are kind of in line with the documentary mm-hmm. uh, work that you were doing. Um, did you write the movie yourself? And Yeah, and it, it started off as a short that I was going to do, and I can't even believe now that I ever thought that I could do it as a short because mm-hmm. it just it's sort of the journey of one you know character over a, a long series of events um, which gives it some of its flavor I don't know the social stuff is kind of like candy coated sprinkles on top mm-hmm. um, the, 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 the pudding filling <laughs> I think is really the kind of journey that people go on to find themselves and the way those journeys are represented let's say, in in a Hollywood, uh, more classical narrative versus uh, the way I think those journeys sometimes occur for people in the real world, which is chaotic, frightening, dark night of the soul kind of, you know, experiences where you don't know what the heck to make of it until maybe five years later after you've survived it, whatever Mm -hmm. it was, your midlife crisis, Mm -hmm. your your drinking bender, your, your, (laughs) like, your dark night of the soul kind of thing. And um, I wanted to have that uh, journey occur to what I consider an average working class woman, uh, Mm -hmm. a middle-aged woman who, um, you know, is overworked, stressed out, and doesn't really even have time to have a midlife crisis, nervous breakdown until she leaves all that behind and goes on this crazy journey to New York. So that's the thing that excited me Mm -hmm. about making the movie was hopefully showing a kind of journey that's often reserved for men and giving this opportunity to what I consider a normal okay. American woman. Uh-huh. This character, her name's Julia, is that her name? Julia Barker. Julia Barker. She is kind of at wit's end. She's squeezed into a situation, I think, where she can't make enough money and her family's suffering as a result of it. She's overworked. Uh, what was that like taking on that kind of role? Well, uh, it was frightening, really. Uh, when I first saw the shooting schedule, that alone frightened me. How, how uh, many days did it take to shoot? 26. But I'm a theater actor, yeah. so uh, 26 days in the theater means, you know, four hours a night. Mm-hmm. And to see the kind of hours that you put in to make a film, I honestly was so naive. I really didn't expect it to be quite as intense as it was. Uh, so, of course, what ended up happening was that I was in such a uh, an exhausted state while I was working on the movie. It was very easy to go right to that place with Julia. It's funny, somebody mm-hmm. saw the movie and they said, wow, you had to cry several times. How did you do that? I said, that's all I could do not to cry the entire movie. I do feel like your performance was one of the bravest performances I've seen in a long time. I think you put yourself out there 
and uh, without a care for anything but making that character come to life, and I think that that's one of those things that makes that movie so strong. Well, thank you. I really uh, felt like it was very important for me to trust Kyle and trust his vision. There were a couple of scenes that I made him justify to me, but he always did that, and... Uh, yeah, it it, it was it was a scary process. I hear there was a lot of footage shot too. Is that right? I I just read mm -hmm. something recently about um, your editing process. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was on the Apple website. I'll put that a yeah. link to that. It's interesting because they had a lot so much footage mm -hmm. that it was hard to choose what even to begin to choose what scenes were there you could um, use and which mm -hmm. scenes you weren't going to use. Um, that you took it to a place, right? What was that place called? The Edit Center. The Edit Center. And for us, the Edit Center was an economic choice. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you know, we'd had the money, me and my editor would have like began and slogged through the footage ourselves. Mm -hmm. But the Edit Center is this wonderful thing um, that, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. You'll have to like, look That's on the okay. website. We'll put it but, on. But uh, he's the editor. He's been, edited a lot of uh, Todd Salance's work. And um, mm -hmm. he found the Editing Center as a way to train um, new editors by actually having them cut uh, in-progress feature films. So, um, and it, it, more than anything, I think it's like a launching point for directors. You're looking at me like, you're crazy. I can see Scorsese. Well, yeah, give it to him. Is that, that in well? Austin? The no, it's in New York. It's yeah, in it's New York. It's in New York. And they also have a, a post company that's associated with it. But what it is is it's a class that's over the course of 10 weeks. And what it gives you the opportunity to do, with a, especially with a digital feature, is to have all your footage logged digitized, sorted through, and students of varying degrees of talent cutting assemblies of the material. In like eight weeks, something has like gotten up, gotten off the ground, and we, you know, to tell you the truth, we were completely out of money mm -hmm. by the time we got to post-production. We totally shot our, you know, mm -hmm. um, before production began. I mean, post-production began, and so this was a way for us to see this footage. And then the instructor of the class ended up um, actually being the editor of the mm -hmm. film, Pete Boudreaux, and he was the one who suggested that I take it there so that he was getting paid to be the instructor of a class and getting to know my footage at the same oh, time really? so that when we had the f uh, money raised to go into post-production, um, both of us had a common language about how we wanted to approach certain That's scenes great. and everything else, <laughs> and it was, it was really helpful, mm -hmm. um, and I'm really grateful. And actually, uh, it... Two times um, was the film used by them. Another time, a really talented editor, Sabine Hoffman, was the instructor of the class, and she's edited a lot of Sundance winners like Personal Velocity and Hurricane Streets and a bunch of other films. Hmm. I think one of the things that I find interesting, too, about the film that's it's different from other films that I've seen is the end of the movie... There, for one thing, it's somewhat ambiguous. I and find. don't give it away. Yeah, don't not, give it away. No, do not give it away. No, no, I'm not going to give it away. I'm not. I'm not going to give it away. But there, Back up in the cliff. There's also yeah, no more. There's also some. Uh, and I just, you know, yeah. I invite everybody to see this movie because there's some interesting editing that's yeah. different from what I've seen. Uh, was that a product of this uh, process, or it was your own, or? No, I mean, I would say. Really, I think Pete changed every cut in the film. So what we see there, I think the best the students gave us were like a sense of how to start mm -hmm. in certain places. But um, and then that final vision towards the end, it got so crazy with like the Sundance deadline and everything else that uh, Pete and I were sort of tag teaming. Mm -hmm. And what I was really working on 
um, myself was that final vision. Mm -hmm. And I kind of give myself a credit as like the designer of the final vision because it's when you see it, it is like a three minute. And it's it's something that is, you know, I see a lot of movies and I, I can remember it's really burned into my memory. Oh, thank you. And, and it has a real effect. So. I don't want to give it away, but I also want to say, hey, want to go to see it. check out this so, movie. I really. see it so then, okay, so then you finished it, and then you submitted it to film festivals, I, yes. I assume. Yes. And you, you went to Sundance. Mm -hmm. uh, did you win an award at Sundance? No, we did not. We were in a section called the Frontier section, uh -huh. which they pick only, what, four features for, and it's basically their... Um, this is kind of out there, and we don't know really what to do with it. Okay. Here uh -huh. you go. Um, <laughs> section Frontier. We were on frontier. the Frontier. <laughs> and um, those are not uh, up for any uh, awards, but we kind of got, I think, the best award of all, which is the programmers for the director's Fortnite, a section at Cannes, uh, saw the film and came yeah. us, to us at the second wow. screening. And, That's where I saw That's it. great. Yep. Yeah. And we're like, uh, can, while the movie screen, can you come down the street to a bar? We'd like to talk to you. I was like, sure, okay, and then mm -hmm. kind of danced you know, <laughs> <laughs> on first sight, like, oh my god, what's going on? And um, they invited the film to screen wow. there. And then Do you, you have a dist distributor? Yes. And uh, has it screened in theaters yet? No. It's opening April 6th, and the mm -hmm. first place it's going to open, it's very limited theatrical distribution. We're Platform only doing distribution. Yes, theatrical, yes. we're only doing uh, Austin, New York, Los Angeles, and I think Chicago, and mm -hmm. then outside of there some like museum, repertory yeah. arts mm -hmm. stuff where we're basically going to have a two prints kind of traveling yeah. around. This is a very wise approach to a film that is on the frontier. But also, <laughs> I want to point out when it was in Cannes, it, mm -hmm. was, it was in a special section that was just for, uh, I guess, first-time directors. Oh, or I guess you can't really call it first-time directors. Direct, so. uh, directors Fortnite was a section that was founded as like a part of a rebellion against Cannes in 68 yeah. by a lot mm -hmm. of directors. Mm -hmm. And uh, it... Um, the new as, yep, the new wave directors, way. and mm -hmm. um, it's over the years been absorbed by Can itself. Mm -hmm. So, like, we're eligible for the same awards. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, there's a prize they give called the Cam Door, mm -hmm. which is for only for first time directors, and that was really great being nominated for that because yeah. I got to hang out with like 20 or 24. That was a big deal. Directors. Really yeah. yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you, people. Um, you, I suggested you take a look at the French. New, new wave and the kinds of things they brought to cinema because they brought an entirely new and different language. This is um, Truffaut and Godard. Godard. It's amazing and I think it's quite an honor for this filmmaker to be placed in the company with those, those folks. That means that he's the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and you've heard it right here so it must be the truth. <laughs> the bomb. <laughs> when I, when I, I walked in um, to, today I um, saw uh, uh, Stacy. I said, "Wow, she looks just like Bjork." And then oh, Cindy. Yeah, Cindy. Yes, <laughs> I thought you looked just like Bjork. <laughs> she Bjork. Like Bjork. Bjork. <laughs> yeah, no, Bjork. Really? You know the she was in Dancer in the Dark, uh -huh. right? Yes. I love Dancer in the Dark, but it's a very dark film, which is what you say this film is. Mm -hmm. But it also has dancing. Um, does this film have that kind of thing? You mean Scott? And do you dance like dance. that? Uh, there was a rave scene in it, but we kind of cut it all out. So yeah. Yeah. all the dancing was cut, as far as I recall. <laughs> That's something yeah. I want to ask you about. You go to New York and you shoot on the streets of New York. And all that <laughs> stuff. It looks to me like 
you guys just were winging it, like as far <laughs> as uh, getting locations and mm-hmm. things like that. There's a shot inside an airplane that I feel like you must have shot while you were just flying over there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what was that like? Just it seems like you guys just went for it. Well, surprisingly, most of the locations in New York we had permission from, from the city. They're mm-hmm. public spaces, like we shot in Times Square and other things. But we were basically like a documentary crew, so we were uh-huh. pretty unobtrusive. And we shot Cindy a lot of times from far away, from like very long lenses with her with a radio mic. So I think mm. a lot of the people and a lot of the situations at certain points um, didn't know, you know that she yeah, was acting okay. in their midst. And then the lenses were very flat, so everything's sort of out of focus. Except it becomes very Cindy. real. I mean, it just gives you a feeling. This is somebody was saying uh, a few episodes ago about using your strengths. Like, if you don't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. find out what's, what the strength is in that, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, oh, your yeah. crew's really small. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can do situations where can... perhaps people don't even know we're acting. Absolutely. So you can get much more, you know, a sense of realism. That's a great film bite. It's is mine. that yours? Mine. That's your film bite. <laughs> That's okay, my film bite. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, no, somebody right. else. It was somebody else's, really. Okay, well... Um, but but we were, I must say, though, that me and the DP were arrested the last night of shooting. In All, the right. Um, All right. All right. In the subway because uh, basically we were on a platform that we didn't have permission for for like two hours. And the cops came down. They were like, listen, we we're going to let you get away with it for like an hour. But two hours, we've got to arrest you. Come on up to the police station. So wow. We oh, had, you know, exciting. ticketed. Yeah, that was exciting. It was last <laughs> day. Why not? Did you huh? film it? Do you have it on tape? We wanted to get out of there alive. Uh, <laughs> you should have given them a part. Officer, officer. Well, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a badge of honor, though, that you were arrested while making your own film. I think so. I think it's great. Congratulations for that, yeah, too. Absolutely. <laughs> what's so now, next? I want to know yeah, what's great. next with Kyle Henry and, and Cindy Williams. Well, do you want to start, Cindy? Yeah, I, I, I've, I've started. Working, I, I've uh, made uh, two uh, independent films now, just little roles in them in Austin, uh, Gretchen and uh, Cassidy Kids, uh, both of which I think are, are, are excellent. And uh, I have a very tiny role in the pilot for Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm Great. also kind of continuing the things I've been doing. I'm uh, I've, part of the reason I was up all night packing to come here is because I'm directing a play in Austin that opens tomorrow. tomorrow. Good show, kids! All right, <laughs> we got a shout out to them. And what's tomorrow's date? Tomorrow's the 2nd uh, of March. 2nd of March, yeah, right. 2nd yeah. of March. Okay, so everybody go to see that. Please do. That's right. Where are they now? At the Vortex Theater in Austin, in Texas. Austin, Texas. All right, that's great. And she's got an agent, you know, who's great. Yeah, working right. my, my cool. agent, My agent's going to go with me tomorrow morning, and we're going to borrow some Anthony Knack jewelry for me to wear on the red carpet. Excellent. I'm right. laughing because it sounds like somebody else's life. I'm pretty sure it's got to be pretty life. damn exciting. Wow. Yeah. Well, and then the gift bags will be coming your way, too. You know, yeah. I keep hearing about gift bags. I have not gotten anything. Get yours, the sure. only gift bag I got had, like, an ugly T-shirt and a calendar Jenna, that had the Hilton sisters in it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Generally, in the... <laughs> If you're up for an award in Hollywood, they give you what's oh, called a gift bag, yeah. which is all the different sponsors and people that want to want you to be using their products so mm-hmm. that other people see you using it. They give you stuff in a bag, and sometimes you can even go into a room and pick out all kinds of different things. Well, this things. is when Cindy really scores big. Cindy's going to score big. <laughs> yeah. I want expensive makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Good. See, you put it out in the, in, in the universe. Excellent. Now we know. So, Kyle, what's up with you? Um, I have another feature that was 
written by my partner. We got a grant for it last year, and um, we're shopping it around. Mm -hmm. um, I also have been working full time as an editor. That's what I do to make my living. Oh, okay. And I actually edited this film, The Cassidy Kids, that's premiering at South by Southwest in a week and a half or two weeks. Um, and I also am talking to agents. Mm -hmm. So it's that kind of thing of like, well, how can we make another one? You know, mm -hmm. and how do we make another one? Yeah. And do you make it the same way that you made it before, or do you try? you know, something where everyone's actually paid at least, you know, a living wage, how do mm -hmm. you do that? So well, how much will that depend upon um, dist distribution, getting a distributor, you think? Well, the film, I think, you know, is going to get this widest distribution as it's going to get. There, there's an announcement coming in IndieWire, um, either Thursday or Friday, and I can't talk about it mm -hmm. now, but you can look on IndieWire, IndieWire. March 2nd or 3rd. Um, IndieWire is what? IndieWire.com? Yeah, that that yeah. Okay. IndieWire.com uh, about our like deal. Okay, um, cool. okay. For, and so you'll be able to see it in a multiple of formats. You, know, you can either mm -hmm. wait and right. see it on cable or you can you know, rent it from a DVD source. Um, so it will be seen by a lot more people mm -hmm. that way yeah. than we'll ever have seen it at a film festival you know, or mm -hmm. somewhere else. Um, but really, in terms of getting the next film made, I think it's really the strength of the next script and um, deciding how we want to put it together. Do you want to mm -hmm. go the same route as before, or do you want to try to get a larger budget? And, you know, in America, at least, to get a larger budget, you have to have certain roles that are played by certain actors that'll, you know, allow mm -hmm. you to raise that kind of money. I do want to ask quickly, um, I know we're running out of time, but... What companies were involved in getting this film going? Uh, it could never have been made without the main two companies with The Seventh Floor, which you can look at their uh, website, www.theseventhfloor.com, and then C100 Film Corp. Mm -hmm. C100 Film Corp is the other company that Michael Stipe owns, Michael Stipe of REM, and uh, Jim McKay, who's a great uh, film director, American film director in his own right, he did Girls Town, and our song, a bunch of other uh, films. Um, it's I, I consider it sort of their their supplemental NEA grant company, mm -hmm. where they give smaller uh, chunks of money out. You know, much less than like the four million that being John Malkovich was made for to projects that they really believe need to be made. And it's not a financial decision on their part. It's a decision of this work is something that touches uh, us. It's risk taking. No one else is going to give money to something like this because it's so out there in one way or the other, and we're going to support it because we believe in it as a piece of art. Excellent. Excellent. So, God bless Michael Stein, wherever you are. And then as far as the distribution company? Mm -hmm. What's um, the name of the company? The, uh, the, sales co the sales company is Celluloid Dreams, and you can just type in Celluloid Dreams as two separate words into your search engine. And um, they're selling the film like worldwide. They're... I didn't know about this, you know, beginning filmmakers, but there's these people called sales agents are. who are not <laughs> distributors. <laughs> yeah. And they're companies that are very rarely credited on films, mm -hmm. and you have to find out about them at a certain point if people are actually interested in your movie. Okay. Um, if he had said the word asterisk, I would tell you that <laughs> what that I would come in with the, the answer to that asterisk, which is 
the person who was on our show time before last, right, who talked about sales agents. Right. And, in fact, there's a book out about them. So they're very yes, important. Yes, check out our last episode, yeah. and uh, you'll find out a little something about sales agents. Mm-hmm. What's um, his name? Stacy. I forgot her last Isn't that now. terrible? You're going to have to bring a We're going to have to break a whole dictionary. That I've always been bad with names. <laughs> That's my mother's fault because she used to get me mixed up with my brothers and sisters. And my sisters, you hear. Oh but, um, so you can look at our website at filmshots.net. Filmshots.net, y'all. All right. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're a sales agent. And then there's a distributor. Yeah, and then there's a distributor. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Now, um, for, let me uh, give you my. Um, you want to give your film bite? Film bite? Yeah. yeah, here's my film bite. Uh, if you want to be a great director, start editing. Because you can learn a lot from editing. And I think Absolutely. that's something that uh, I learned here with Kyle Henry because mm-hmm. he's an editor. And uh, yeah, if you know how to cut yeah. film. This is what Tom Roth said. That's right. Remember that? Oh, was that his yeah. film bite? It wasn't his film bite. No, it, well, it okay, wasn't. Good. But he said that in his talk. Well, yeah. good. Then I'll stick with that. Now, mine is... Um, in writing your script, uh, um, remember that your characters should have arcs. They should go through a struggle, go from some kind of um, blasé, blasé position through a struggle to a different position at the end of the film. So you need to really give all of your characters, if possible, a character arc to build the character. Make them three-dimensional. Don't make them flat, have only one thing that they like have no nothing that they hate, make them three-dimensional characters. Now, does, does that make sense um, to you, yeah? Oh, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a wonderful thing to me about Room, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I've been very fortunate in the things I've been cast in since Room, but I have to say some of the uh, scripts that I've auditioned for and not gotten into, but I've gotten to read a lot of scripts and I'm kind of shocked at uh, the lack of character development Absolutely. coming from a theater background. Mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta give the people a reason you to really hear and to. watch that's it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. They need to struggle, and struggle is really the, the coin of the realm in drama generally. So and, I like that. And, that's and good. in comedy. And I in com- absolutely in comedy, right? Yeah, you have to get the uh, audience. In there and okay, I, I gotta go and put money in the meter. You do? <laughs> yeah. You're so, yeah, right. it's time. It's time. It's okay, time. We're, we're going for two more film bites here, and then we'll we'll end it, right? Okay, but quick. Um, I would say this is a bit of advice that the, uh, an agent Walter Partos gave me when I was very young, very young, younger, <laughs> not like Methuselah or anything. <laughs> um, but um, that basically. Uh, Make work that you really feel passionate and strongly needs to exist in the world uh, for a specific reason, and that is to, in many ways, uh, you know, change the consciousness of the world around you. Because really, there's absolutely no guarantee that your little gem is going to have any financial success whatsoever. <laughs> in fact, probably count on many, many of your films not having any kind of success, and you better at least be. Uh, thrilled by the opportunity to uh, do something that you actually care about because you could just try to construct you know a, a big stinking turd that you think is going to sell big time and it won't and then you'll just be bitter yeah so don't do that mm-hmm. excellent that's good Cindy? i'll throw one in too uh i think that 
people will give you lots of advice and I think you should listen to everyone's advice but I think that everyone who is attracted to any kind of art and filmmaking as an art has a vision and I think you have to be true to your vision and true what you want to do and I know I sound like Pollyanna here but not give up mm -hmm. I am 48 years old yeah. and all of a sudden thank you <laughs> y'all I got carded yesterday <laughs> yeah, um, I am 48 and I got carded but uh, I, I would never have thought that at this stage in my life that something like this would happen to me and so I think that it could happen to anyone you just got to keep working here, here. that's a beautiful way to end that's great and that I, is wonderful i want to thank kyle henry and cindy williams and i want to apologize to stacy parks for forgetting her name the, right. <laughs> the insider's guide to film distribution and uh thank you so much for uh taking the time out i know you guys are really busy with the awards and everything it and, was great uh, it was really great thank you and thank you for listening okay write us y'all and go um listen to us at filmshots.net all right bye y'all right, see ya